All right, so we're back to, this is, uh, this will be kind of my uh, final message in the theme of overcoming harmful attitudes and emotions. Uh, this evening I'm going to divert from that. So we can only take so much of processing our emotions, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll go to, uh, this evening we'll be looking at uh, staying the course, right? So as and we're going to look out of Revelation, the letters to the churches, and how Jesus um, wrote to them and had uh, some things to say, and some of them had to, had diverted a bit from the course. And uh, so we're going to look at we're going to get some lessons from that, and, and how do we stay the course? Um, so I am excited about that. Um, so today we're we're going to uh, just look at the problem of pride, and the reason we're going to do this real quick is because. You know, it takes humility to recognize things in our life that maybe aren't the way they should be, and attitudes we have that maybe we shouldn't have. Um, and it takes humility to hear from each other, right? And to say, hey, brother or sister, I don't know, like, did that really represent Jesus? And, or even just for you to sit introspectively in meditation, in prayer, and let God show you the things that he wants to show you. It takes humility, and so we don't want pride to get in the way. So I just want to go through and say, uh, to take a look at this and address this a bit. Um, so turn uh, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 4. So this is in a context where Paul was addressing a little problem that happened there in Corinth where they tended to, to want to kind of identify their belief system or their like who they were following. They were, they were going after different men, right? In the end of chapter 3, he says, So let no one boast in men, for all are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. So he's saying, don't, don't, follow after, don't follow after ideas, don't follow after men. Um, God has given you everything, but don't follow after that. Remember, you're Christ. Follow after Christ. And so we're going to look at this. In 1 Corinthians 4, we'll read the first seven verses. Now this is how you should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but... I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. So I'm going to just pause there. I want to make sure we kind of get the, converse, the, the discussion. So he's saying, I want you to think of us as servants of Christ. Stewards. Like we're, we're given a responsibility to steward the gospel of Christ. 
and we're to be found faithful. And he says, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. So he's kind of like saying, it's a small thing to me what you think about me. Like whether you think I'm the person that you can get behind or whether you think it's Cephas that you can get behind. Like, I'm not looking for that kind of engagement with you. Like, that's not how, that's a small thing to me. Like, there's a different issue here. Uh, He says, it's a small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. He says, now, I'm not aware of any problem. Like, I'm not aware that I would be found guilty in a certain way. But he's like, but that doesn't even mean that I'm acquitted. So, so even what I think, like I think I'm innocent, I think that I'm stewarding the word well, that doesn't even prove my innocence. He says, it is the Lord who judges me. Okay, so this is the conversation. I just want uh, us to get the, the context. Therefore, in verse 5, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring light to the things, um, before the time that, uh, to the, I'm sorry, let me just, I don't, I don't want to stumble here. So therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. So God knows the heart. Ultimately, he's going to reveal what is. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. All right, now, verse 6. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For... Who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? All right, so you might think, well, that's an unusual text. I wasn't expecting to go there to talk about pride. Well, he's addressing the issue of pride with these people, and he's saying that um, you, in your pride, you want to give credit to things that you shouldn't give credit to. Like, you want to determine who you're going to follow, who has the best theology, and um, you want to kind of get in the steering wheel, as it were. And he's saying, don't go beyond what is written. We have the scriptures. And you know that when Paul would go into different towns and villages, he, what was he doing? He was reasoning with them through the scriptures. He was committed to that which was canonized, to that which was written. We have the scriptures. Don't go beyond that. Um, And don't choose a guy to follow in that sense. Um, Because that's going to puff you up. It's in your boasting. It's in your your ego that you want to do this. You want to be able to find yourself in a position where you say, yeah, we got the best theology. And we've got the best idea and the best philosophy. You have to understand that philosophy influenced, uh, it would seep in uh, even in that time. And human reasoning was a real thing in the Roman and Greek worlds. And so um, pride and, and human reasoning and thinking was all a threat. And he's saying, no, God is going to be the judge. He's going to bring all things to light. 
and don't go beyond what is written. And by the way, any good thing that you have, like, don't pretend that you weren't given it. You were, you were given that to you. Don't act like, if you were given it, don't act like you got it for yourself. Um, because it's by the mercy of God and, and his provision that you have the truth and that you have the scriptures and you have uh, all things, really. You, um, you have these brothers and these apostles to teach you and guide you. And so he's really addressing an issue of pride and arrogance and our temptation to create our own kind of empire and our own kind of uh, framework and, and ideology. And he's saying, no, let's, let's stay with the truth. Let's get back to the centrality of Jesus. Let's not lift one another up. And so that's what we're dealing here uh, with in this text. So if we were to uh, look at the word boasting here and look at this, this he says, don't be puffed up um, in verse Seven, I believe. Um, uh, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Um, and then uh, in verse six, uh, he says, don't go, on, go, don't go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor one against another. And so if we were to do a study of these words, this is just some, um, some of the, uh, the meanings, uh, self-confidence, boasting, um, and uh, this idea of, of being puffed up is, uh, or actually this is, a, I think, referring to the word boast, insolent and empty assurance, uh, which trusts in its own power and resources and shamefully despises and violates divine laws and human rights. It's, it's the idea of haughtiness and arrogance. Um, this idea of being puffed up is, uh, it's a character of one who, with a swollen estimate of his own powers or merits, looks down on others, or even treats them with insolence and contempt. The other way that we can understand this this idea of being puffed up, um, it's, it's a little gruesome, but it's this idea of, of like your gut being puffed up, bloated, and, and, and you got to protect it, right? And it's this idea of protecting our ego. You got to protect that because if that would burst, you need to spill your guts. And that wouldn't, you don't want, then they'd really be humiliated. It's that kind of that word picture, this idea of being puffed up. And the problem with being with this, this puffed up eagle is then it can also be deflated, and that's our fear, right? And so you've got to protect it. And if it does deflate, um, then you've got to protect that too. And so either way you look at it, it's a real pride issue, and that's what he's trying to address here. So symptoms of, of pride, uh, fear, entitlement, ingratitude, people-pleasing, prayerlessness, I, I, I don't need God, hypocrisy, two-faced, rebellion, fault-finding, critical spirit, superficiality, defensiveness, self-focus, exploitation of others, loving and seeking the praise of men, inflated view of self, deflated view of self, self-protection, unyielding, judgmental, divisive, dishonesty, deception, disinterest in others. We could go on, but I don't know, did any of those strike a chord with you? So we already read the text and, and, and talked about that. <clears throat> so the problem of pride. Pride is sometimes misidentified as low self-esteem. And this is because pride's uh, fruit is emptiness and loneliness. High self-esteem 
and low self-esteem are the product of the same thing, an inflated ego. High self-esteem fears being deflated and low self-esteem is deflated. So it comes back to this idea I was talking about um, how the, 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 this word imagery of, of kind of that uh, uh, inflated, um, bloated uh, gut, as it were. It's, it's kind of a, a, a crude imagery, but helps us understand, I think. And so some people, um, we, we talk about high and low self-esteem. Eh, it doesn't really get to the issue. Like it, it's not really, um, it's really both can be, you know, the, the idea is not to sell someone, oh, just think better of yourself. Um, or, eh, I'm just going to think bad of myself and that's going to help counter my pride. But both, both are really rooted in pride. Um, so there's a healthier way to think about ourselves, right? So pride is, is fueled by making comparisons. It's not enough to have as much as another, to be like another. Pride wants to have more and be better than another. And we saw that in the text. It's the idea of comparing uh, between the different apostles and church leaders um, and ideas. Pride is intrinsically concerned with self. Humility is intrinsically concerned about others. Um, and so uh, pride, uh, we know, was born in the Garden of Eden. And when Eve... Uh, was told, hey, uh, you can eat of that fruit. You'll be like God. Prayer narrows our perspective to ourselves. Even when we see others, we see them filtered through ourselves. What we can get out of it. And this is how people get exploited. I see you as a way to, to advance my purposes. Right? Um, that never feels good when you feel, did you ever get a feeling, I feel kind of used? Well, it might be because you're getting a sense that that person is wanting to advance their purposes through you, using you. And, um, of course, this shows up in many different ways, but God forbid that we see each other in that way. That's uh, selfish, and pride motivates those things. One way that we protect our pride is to compare ourselves to others. Well, you know, they're, they're definitely not as good as I am in this area or that area. <clears throat> Boy, they've got a bad theology. Phew, who would even believe that? <clears throat> so pride is harmful, and it's self-focused, and it's, um, it has false humility in it. it um, so then we just want to move right away into some treatments <clears throat> for pride. Our text um, says that we should live as servants of God. Paul says, consider us as servants of God. And when we have a servant mentality to be like Jesus, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Be servants of God. Serve one another. See people um, not through how, what you can gain, but what they can gain by your service. Honor the word of God above the preachers of the word. So maybe you're appreciating what I'm bringing to you here, but I, don't, I would be devastated if I would hear, oh, John, man, that guy, you should just, like, really follow him and his ideas. 
I hope that what I'm bringing you this weekend is only drawing you to love the word more. I'm hope that I'm only drawing you to the gospel, a more a deeper love for the gospel, to be centralized in Jesus, um, and not not me or someone else or ideas. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, it's become a life verse for me. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. You know, when people were praying for me up here, I was like a little nervous because they put their hand on me. I'm like, I bet you they can tell I'm shaking. You know, it's, you know. I did. I stood up here like nervous. My heart's beating. Um, and in fear and much trembling. And in my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I don't know if I got that perfectly, but I'm telling you that's my life text because I, I'm aiming for that. I want that to be my guiding principle. Um, and I hope that's all of ours. <clears throat> the Word of God. Uh, we need to hold that above the preachers of the Word. Recognize that all good things come from God. Even when you experience success as a result of good choices, this is still only by the mercy of God. And I think this verse is so important. He, who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Like, why are you sitting there thinking that you got yourself, your life all sewed up because you just know how to pull the right strings. You're only pulling the strings God gave you. Right? So let's, let's receive the things, the goodness of God in our life, remembering that it's Him. Remembering that any good thing that we have is from God. James 4 really is a very powerful text regarding the issue of pride, and we could just spend sessions and sessions there as well. But I'll just, and I'm not even going to read it, but James 4, and I put the verses, you can mark them down, you can study it. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. For me, that's a motivation, because I want to receive the grace of God. And so I don't want that pride in my life to cause me from accessing the grace of God. God opposes the proud, he gives grace to the humble. So then he lists a number of things here throughout the text in, in James 4 in response to that. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. An attitude of submission, saying, You are God. You're the one. From you I receive all things. God is God, and I am not. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The enemy is who came to Eve and Adam there in the garden. They didn't resist him, did they? It was in their pride that they responded to his temptation. He lured them into that. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Again, this idea of coming to God, exalting him, exalting his word. This is life. This is my life. This is how God speaks to me. This is how he reveals himself to me. 
Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. God, when you show me a place in my heart that is not pure and, and a thing that should be different, don't just think it and walk away. Stay there until you've gone through a process of cleansing, of repentance. Cleanse my heart, O oh God. Make it ever new. Go to Psalm 51 and identify with David. I am sinful. Would you cleanse me, O oh God? Renew my heart. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Make a right, bring, put a right spirit within me. Then I will go and tell sinners of your way. Be wretched and mourn and weep, it says. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. This is not meant to be a gloomy message, but I'm just saying this is, this is a response to pride. It's to say, Lord, I am... Please show me my pride and show me how awful it is because it sets itself against you. I want to be free of this. And if it means that you need to spend some time in mourning and weeping, let your laughter be turned to mourning. We need sobriety in the face of pride until that is cleansed and we can rejoice in the God of our salvation. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord, and He, He will exalt you. He will give you an identity. He will give you purpose and fulfillment and all that you need for rejoicing and celebration. He will exalt you. It could be said that the process of growing in humility is trading an identity in myself and the world for an identity in Christ and His kingdom. Shall we pray? Dear Jesus, I pray that we would learn from You and really learn from the, uh, the rebuke of Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4. that we wouldn't boast in our ideas or in the, the men that we think are great. And that we wouldn't try to come up with great ideas beyond your word. But that our great ideas, that great ideas would be born, motivated by your word. That your word that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, we know it doesn't return void. That we would put our confidence in, confidence in that because that goes forth to accomplish that which it purposes. Help us to be satisfied in Your Word, satisfied in Jesus. And if we need to weep and mourn until we get there, help us to do it. That we would put away our pride and our selfish ambitions and our lofty ideas and our ungratefulness. Help us to walk humbly with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.